Good morning. And it helps if I am on. Okay, very good. Well, welcome to those of the first. We are in our series that we are calling Beyond the Elections. We're trying to offer some messages of comfort and help as we deal with the challenge of a polarized society that we live in. We do want to encourage you to follow some higher safety protocols since we're moving indoors and the danger of aerosol is a little bit greater. So we're asking you to wear a mask at all times in your pews. Um, no singing, but we strongly encourage holy humming. So feel long to join in with the, with the humming, just to keep that stuff from coming out. Um, and please take all conversations afterwards outside. We encourage you to spread out the air. The weather's warm enough that that's easy to do today. So please just help, help us out in that way. Keep each other safe as safely as possible. Please go, join with me in our call to worship, which you'll see up on the screens. Praise be to God who has brought us here this day. What joy we have in God's presence. This is truly the day that the Lord has made. Our choir ensemble will bring the song, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Let's pray as we ask for God to be with us here and also those that are watching on the live stream. Lord, we thank you for your presence. You bring your Holy Spirit to gather us together, and we so appreciate being in this holy 
in sacred space, a place that has many memories for many of us. We're thankful that you are here wherever we may be, in our own homes, as we deal with the challenges that are before us. May we experience the unity that is made possible through Christ, who brings us together from all nations, all factions, all races, to make us one through your Son. He has died for all, he lives for all, and that Holy Spirit continues for each of us now, on this day and in this time, through Christ we pray, amen. Good morning. I'm Tom Shriver McGreevy, and today's scripture reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, 6 through 11, 19 through 21, as well as Galatians, chapter 2, verses 11 through 21. Hear now the word of God for you today. Some people came down from Judea, teaching the family of believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom that we've received from Moses, you can't be saved. Paul and Barnabas took sides against the Judeans, and they argued strongly against their position. The church at Antioch appointed Paul, Barnabas, and several others from Antioch to go up to Jerusalem to set this question before the apostles and the elders. The apostles and the elders gathered to consider this matter. After much debate, Peter stood and he addressed them. Fellow believers, you know that early on, God chose me from among you as the one from whom Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and come to believe. God, who knows people's deepest thoughts and desires, confirmed this by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did us. He made no distinction between us and them, but purified their deepest thoughts and desires through faith. Why then are you not challenging God by placing a burden on the shoulders of the disciples that neither we nor our ancestors could bear? On the contrary, we believe that we and they are saved in the same way by the grace of the Lord Jesus. Therefore, I conclude that we should not create problems for the Gentiles who turn to God. Instead, we should write a letter and telling them to avoid the pollution that's associated with idols, sexual immorality, eating meat from strangled animals, and consuming blood. After all, Moses has been proclaimed in every city for a long time, and is read aloud every Sabbath in every synagogue. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he was wrong. He had been eating with the Gentiles before certain people came from James. But when they came, he began to back out and separate himself because he was afraid of the people who promoted circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also joined him in this hypocrisy so that even Barnabas got carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they weren't acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of everyone, if you, though you're a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you require Gentiles to live like Jews? We are born Jews. We're not Gentile sinners. However, we know that a person isn't made righteous by the works of the law, but rather through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. We ourselves believed in Christ Jesus so that we could be made righteous by the faithfulness of Christ and not by the words, works of the law. 
because no one will be made righteous by the works of the law. But if it is discovered that we ourselves are sinners while we are trying to be righteous in Christ, then is Christ a servant of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild the very things that I tore down, I show myself that I am breaking the law. I died to the law through the law so that I could live for God. I have been crucified with Christ so that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in my body, I live by faith indeed, by the faithfulness of God's Son who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't ignore the grace of God, because if we become righteous through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Nice to see all of you in person. It has been a wonderful morning so far and glad that you are here. I am Pastor Jill and several of you in the 830 said, well, I haven't seen you in person yet, up close and personal. So here I am. <laughs> glad to be here and glad you all are here today in this beautiful holy space. Let us pray. Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are our strength our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Well, here we are week two into our Beyond the Election series with the question, did the early Christians agree on everything? And according to our scriptures that you heard, the answer is no, no. When I was newly appointed at my congregation on the south side, I had a church member approach me with an interesting question after a sermon I preached that he found particularly challenging. The question was this, is there ever a time in scripture where the church has wrestled with something and changed its mind about anything? And without much thought, I went immediately to this Acts 15 chapter where the Jerusalem Council is debating this very important issue in the church. I explained that this heated debate around whether or not non-Jews who were followers of Jesus should be circumcised and follow the law of Moses or not was a huge turning point in the ch church history. And as divided as we are today over politics, the early church was just as divided as if not maybe even more so about this very question. So should a Gentile or a non-Jew fully convert to Judaism and be circumcised in order to fully participate in the life of the church? Or is baptism and a profession of faith enough? Paul was preaching a message of the new covenant made through Jesus Christ. In this covenant, there is no longer division between Jews and Gentiles. All are one in Christ Jesus. Paul preached that this covenant made between God and Israel was for a certain point in history and is no longer binding upon either Jew or Gentile. Each are equally worthy of the grace and salvation of Jesus. The law was still important, but it wasn't as binding. This was a really radical message for the time, and Paul got a lot of pushback for it. So we're going to take a look a little closer at this Acts 15 text 
what happened, who was involved, and what they decided. So first we had the disciples from Judea. These were Pharisees who believed that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah, but they remained in their Pharisaical role. And they taught that circumcision must be required for Gentiles to be a part of the community completely. Then, of course, there was Paul with his teachings about the New Covenant, that circumcision is not necessary for Gentile believers. And then, of course, the Gentiles themselves, some of whom were circumcised, some were not too sure whether they should be or not, and some who were not. They had received conflicting messages up to this point. And then there was Peter. Peter was reluctant at first and felt threatened, but at the council stood up and said he believed it was not required. And of course, members of the council were present as well to help discern and make decisions. So their final statement, Jews were required to obey the law, but Gentiles were not required to abide by the law of Moses or undergo circumcision. They had a few rules that they had to follow, but that was for people outside of the Jewish culture that were, they were supposed to be doing anyway. And this allowed them to be more one in, in the community. The letter to the Gentiles stated that the law of Moses and the circumcision requirement were no longer binding upon the Gentile believers. I share with the Thursday night worship community that I bet those Gentiles were very relieved at this news. <laughs> and those that had already gone, undergone the procedure were probably saying, shoot, I should have waited, <laughs> right? This was a dramatic event, led by the spirit and the testimonies of Peter, Paul, and Barnabas. The church accepted a change and set aside a major portion of the written law. Some even saw a new way of interpreting the scriptures in light of what was going on in the churches and synagogues. A new understanding was accepted and revealed. Paul and Barnabas were then sent to deliver the news to the Gentile churches, and this brought peace to the conflict and allowed for Paul to continue his ministry with the Gentiles to preach the good news in those communities. Now, in Paul's time, this decision didn't fully satisfy either side, but it made a way for peace within the church. This shows us that even the early church had divisions and disagreements amongst themselves. Yet, they learned to come together and make progress. The decisions made didn't always satisfy everyone, but life went on. Disciples were made. Ministry happened. New disagreements arose from time to time, of course. Yet, the Spirit continued to guide and lead the church into fruitful directions. As I'm reminded of this heated debate in the early church, I wonder what the news outlets would have done with this story if they had had the technology back then that we do today. Now, depending on what news station you follow or what social media outlet you use, my guess is that you would get a variety of commentary about the debate. Conversations may sound completely different depending on where you're getting the information. Anxiety levels would be high. And depending on what side of the debate you would find yourself, chances are that you would be filled with anger or tension toward those on the other side. Chances are that your feelings would be fueled by what you were seeing and hearing. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> now, I don't watch much TV these days, 
other than Paw Patrol or Thomas the Train with my son. And it's probably a good thing because the more political ads I'm seeing, the angrier I get. Everyone I see is tearing the other person down. How quickly we forget that despite our differences, we are all human at the core. We all have lives and families and circles of friends and gifts to offer. We each bear the image of God. Now, I was recently introduced to a new song by Alanis Morissette, a singer-songwriter who many of us know, but she definitely wrote the soundtrack for my angry teenage years. But now she is writing songs about motherhood and the complexities of life. And even she shares about her postpartum depression in some of her music. But she has this beautiful song out called Ablaze, where she talks about her children and the beauty of watching them grow up. And the mission in her life is to keep the light in their eyes ablaze. And we are called, she reminds us, to remember that we are bound up in one another's humanity. She writes these words, The first thing that you'll notice is some separation from each other. Yes, it's a lie we've been believing since time immemorial. There was an apple, there was a snake, there was division, there was a split, there was a conflict in the fabric of life. One became two and then everyone was out for themselves. Everyone was pitted against each other and conflict ruled the realm. All our devotions and temperaments are pulled from different wells. They seem to easily forget we are made of the same cells. Yes, it's true that division and conflict have been a part of our narrative from the beginning, especially now as we enter into this contentious season, we see it. The unfortunate part is that we have been trained and even manipulated to be pitted against each other. Pastor Jerry will talk to us a little bit about the, the role social media plays in that right now. But the media thrives on it and even profits from our divisions and anger at one another. Yes, we are going to disagree. Yes, we are going to get angry, disappointed, or anxious. Yet, I believe that we have a lot to learn from those people in the early church. Those who came together despite their differences to have the hard conversations, to hear one another out, and to open themselves to the guidance of the Holy Spirit in order to move forward, to become unstuck. I don't know about you, but I feel like we are stuck right now. We can't see beyond our own camps, our own agendas, our own media outlets, our own social media feeds. Sometimes we can't even see beyond our own mask. Many of us have friends or family members that we won't even speak to right now and fear of politics being a part of the conversation. We have lost our focus on the agenda of Christ Jesus and the kingdom he comes to proclaim. We have ex exchanged the radical love of Christ for the condemning rhetoric toward those with whom we disagree. In the words of the song, we easily forget that we are made of the same cells. My continuing prayer for us in this uncertain, anxiety-driven time is to humble ourselves before the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that led those early followers to overcome their divisions, long enough to move forward 
for the cause of Christ and the church. My continuing prayer is that we keep our eyes on Jesus who binds us together above and beyond all of those things that divide us. And that we remember at the end of the day that we are all made of the same cells. Thanks be to God for this good news. Amen. Each week, we like to take a moment during the service to highlight a ministry that is supported by your faithful giving. This week, we hosted another blood drive here at the church. Mobile blood drives make up about 75 to 80% of monthly blood collection in Indiana, providing a convenient way for local residents to share their good health with others. We had 31 donors able to give 28 units of blood, which helps up to 78 lives here in Indiana. We thank you for your faithful giving that allows us to be involved directly in providing towards the health of those in our community. If you missed our blood drive this time, keep an eye out for future opportunities to give. And for other opportunities to serve, please check out the Opportunities to Serve tab on either our website or the church app. One easy way to get involved this week would be to donate some candy towards our Halloween parade. We'll be decorating cars and driving through Noble Manor apartments, safely passing out candy. And we could use your help to have a good amount to distribute. If you're able to help in this way, please bring donations to the church office. And now, as we move into our time of offering, which is available online through our church app, mailing a check to the office, or if you're in person, dropping it in the basket on your way out, will you please join me in a word of prayer? to bless the offering. God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship together as a community. We ask that these offerings, these gifts, these tithes would be blessed by you and used toward the expansion of your kingdom to spread your love and grace and forgiveness into the world. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
Do I hear an amen for our choir? Thank you. It's one of the greatest things we miss in this pandemic and look forward to that vaccine getting here as fast as possible so we can be singing with our full choir. But thank you for bringing such a full sound to our experience today. We also want to invite you to take advantage of the Faith First that's on our website. Each and every week we have scriptures that coincide with what we're talking about today and questions that you can use for your own spiritual reflection or you can use it in a small group or growth group. Well, I tried to get a barometer of how to describe how polarized we are. We're just a little polarized, wouldn't you say, as we come to this election? So I did a Google search that asked the question, how did we get to be such a polarized country? It's always good when you do those searches to look at the top left and see what were the results, how many different sites got named. And when I did that for this question, would you believe 15 million results came up? 15 million. Well, another way to look at how polarized we are, social psychologist Matt Maltel conducted a study where he compared how diverse politics were in 1992, and then he's looked at each subsequent presidential election every four years later afterwards. So he said if you take a map in 1992, and if you use that map and look at the counties, go county by county, and determine which of the ones that we're within 20 percentage points one another of who voted for one presidential candidate or the other. He said you could take a dart and throw on the map and pretty much find a fairly diverse situation where you got no more than 20% difference between those two. So I'm going to show you a couple graphs. It's one in 1992 and one of the election of 2016. I want you to notice the difference. And so the white will represent a county where the candidate that won was 20%, 20 points or 20% uh, within the other candidate. Red would be where a Republican candidate won by more than 20%, and then a blue would be where the Democratic candidate won that county by more than 20%. So you take a look at this one and see there's a lot of white. Now take a look at the 2016 map. Wow. Now, don't get fooled by just all the red. What's important is how little white there is. Uh, the red represents Republican counties, but overall, the blue actually represents greater population than the red. But what's significant is how little diversity there is, how much we are polarized. That means that all that part of the country, the little bit of white left, are the only places left where there is a fairly decent balance between Republicans and Democrats. Well, Model makes this quote after that study. He says, this is the problem with America now. We are a polarized people and we are surrounded by those who agree with us on a daily basis. So when we hear people espousing the other views, we truly don't get it. After all, we live in our own bubbles, surrounded by people who agree with our view of the world, lock, stock, and barrel. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that polarization. Some are obvious and some not so obvious. For example, the end of the Cold War meant that we lost a common enemy to focus our attention upon that united us. We we saw flashes of that unity after 9-11, right? 
We even saw a little flash of that in the first month of the COVID outbreak, where we were all working together, doing whatever it took to keep each other safe, and then that quickly dissipated into another polarized political issue. Another one is the fact that the passing of the greatest generation, that is the generation that lived through the victory of World War II, and they experienced the self-sacrifice they all had to, had to make and what could happen when we work together for a common goal. They are the people who used to say, well, I didn't vote for this president, but he's still my president, and I hope he does a great job. And today, when you listen to media personalities on either side, they literally root for the president to fail or the future candidate to fail. And then most of us get most of our news from social media. And social media is built on a business model that sells advertising based upon how many clicks and screen time each of us spend on their content. The algorithms are designed with such sophisticated artificial intelligence that they keep sending us information that matches what we have previously chosen. Have you ever noticed how you order a product on the Internet and then within seconds you start seeing related advertising on whatever you're looking at right after that because they're watching everything you do. Everything is monitored and then used to send you the content that you've already chosen because their goal is to keep you there on their site. If you like something or you share something, it will make sure that you keep getting that content, much like that which ends up creating these information bubbles that we stay in. According to a recent documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma, social media platforms have learned that fake news spreads six times faster than real news. Real news is boring. It doesn't grab our attention. So instead, we're fed anything that will grab our attention, true or not. That's why we tend to think that the other side is so stupid. Why can't they understand the world as I do? And the reason is because they're not getting the same information that you are. Well, Pastor Jill did a very nice job of sharing the historical context of the Jerusalem Council that we read about in our scriptures today. The early church immediately after Jesus' death and resurrection have found themselves arguing, as Pastor Jill suggests, this was no minor disagreement. Listen to how the Apostle Paul confronts Peter in Antioch according to the Galatians passage. I opposed him to his face because he was wrong. He had been eating with the Gentiles before certain people came from James. But when they came, he began to back out and separate himself because he was afraid of the people who promoted circumcision. Peter called out Peter's hypocrisy. And it certainly was a factor in winning over the Jerusalem Council to a new way of thinking about the Gentiles and the burden that was being placed upon them. The church was polarized. And there was a lot at stake here. Emotions were running high. But they came to an understanding that moved the mission of the church forward and paved the way for the power of Jesus' resurrection to transform lives all over the Roman Empire. When you look at that situation, I I find three key principles that we see exhibited in that little bit that's shared that I think might be helpful for us to deal with our current polarization. There's three key principles. 
First, there is honest and open dialogue. They don't just get mad and go their separate ways. They keep talking, and sometimes it is intense. The council was called to create unity, and they didn't quit until their work was done. Second thing you notice, they find a compromise that focuses on what is essential. They decided that faith replaces the witness of the Torah law. They also decided that sexual immorality was not to be tolerated. They saw those two things as critical to the mission. The rest of the stuff could be set aside. And third, and this is the most interesting thing to me, they intentionally chose practical steps in their compromise that promoted unity. Notice the food references in their compromise made it possible for Jews and Gentiles to eat together at a common meal. Gentiles don't have to be circumcised, but they ask for that minor concession of avoiding the most basic foods that would violate the conscience of a faithful Jew. That's just a fun little fact that should teach us that relationship is more important than being right. So what if we applied these principles to our current political divide? What would that look like? Well, there's an organization called More in Common Foundation that believes Americans are really not as polarized as we tend to think. What they found is when you get people to put aside their labels and actually talk about the nuts and bolts of specific issues, they're really not that far apart. They suggest if we, in what we get in our news media, is actually the extremes of those opposing views. And so that gets us riled up, and it keeps us from coming back for more, which dries, us, dries up their ratings. The reality is if we just get the average person together, whether Democrat, Republican, Independent, whatever, and talk the specifics of a particular issue without knowing where any suggested solution comes from, you find there's a lot of agreement. But we've got to be willing to talk about it. We need more open and honest dialogue. So let me close by combining those last two points that I shared about the Jerusalem Council. I love how they decided the relationship and the mission was more important than their own personal truths. They decided the essential mission of Jesus Christ and the ability it had to transform lives was more important than their lifelong treasured religious tradition. They compromised on what was less essential for the sake of unity and relationship, and they made it possible for Jews and Gentiles to sit down at the same table so no one was excluded. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of partisan politics. I'm open to new solutions that help us get beyond the polarization that we're in now. And I invite you to get out of your political and social media bubbles that isolate you from people who think differently. I pray we can get back to where we are first a people of faith who look for common ground with all persons. Last week, I I found myself getting burned out with all that conflict this political season has created. I found some inspiration that called me to spend more time focusing on Jesus and less on the political news going on around me. I decided that 
between now and the election, I'm going to read a chapter a day from the book of John in order to focus upon the person of Jesus. I want my first impulse to be that when I meet somebody, I don't want to worry about which side of the political divide they're on. I want to first see that person as my neighbor, to love them as my neighbor, to love because God first loved, or to love according to that scripture from 1 John. Dear friends, let's love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The person who doesn't love does not know God because God is love. So I invite you to consider what are you going to do between now and the election to keep yourself spiritually centered, to look for common ground with others, to rediscover what is essential and to value relationship over ideology. Let us pray. Lord, be with us in these times. As our country seems torn apart and the gulf between us seems to get larger, may we be a people that bring unity. May we put people first. May we love first. May we make you the center of all that we do and may our first impulse be the same that you have for all your children, to love first, to love others as we'd have them love us. This is our prayer, our hope on this day through Christ who is our Lord. Amen. Each week we have several names of persons come through our church office sharing joys or concerns or sympathy requests with us through our prayer chain as well as phone calls and our pastoral care team. So we'll lift up a few of those names as well as lifting up our community, those struggling with COVID-19, our nation, of course, our world, and all of those who weigh on our hearts today. We lift up Barb Fogarty who has surgery on Thursday. Sarah Russell, who is recovering from surgery. We offer sympathy to Sue Cheshire and the death of her sister, Jane. So now as we enter into a time of prayer, I invite you in our call to prayer. Gracious God, the news this week disturbs us, and the state of our hearts concern us. Call us back to you to remind us of your loving care to shape us for your service in ways that will shine Christ's light in the darkness. Send your spirits that we will hear and respond rightly to your word and to the needs we see around us. Amen.
now let us pray together in silence, followed by a pastoral prayer, and we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. God of all nations, we acknowledge that we come before you as divided and anxious people. We confess our anger or tension over the topics and political divides that seem to be following us everywhere. So God, we ask for your spirit of peace to transcend our hearts, our minds, and our communities, that we might find the things that unite us instead of divide us. God, we offer our prayers and our concerns and our burdens to you. Several of us come this morning with heavy hearts. Some of us are anxious or fearful. Some of us know the unknown looms before us. Some of us come with grief or concerns over friends and family dealing with illness or recovering from surgery or losing a loved one. So surround us, Holy Spirit, to offer us your grace and mercy as we continue to be a people of faith even now, especially now. We lift up to you our nation, our world, and our community here in Noblesville. For all those who are struggling for whatever reason, that we might continue to be a light for those that need you the most. We thank you, O God, for the joys of our lives as well, for the beautiful moments of each day, for the colors of the season, for the laughter of friends and children, for those moments that bring us tears of joy, that we might be open to see them. And Lord, we offer this and so much more that's on our hearts in the name of Jesus, who teaches us to pray by saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. announcements to bring your attention. First of all, please utilize the action cards that are in front of you in your pews. That's how we'll record your attendance, but also there's the opportunity to uh, respond to the opportunities to serve that was mentioned by Pastor Matt, and also a place to put prayer concerns. You can drop those on a box on the way out of the sanctuary. Uh, we will continue to ask for you to make reservations from week to week as we 
continue to plan. We love to see this service grow. We're right near the threshold at the 8.30 service, so that helps us to plan. Uh, we will offer overflow just in case, uh, but we know that most people would rather be in this space. So please continue to make your reservations. For some reason, you know, at the last minute, just uh, plan to come, and if you get the overflow, we get the overflow. We will be launching a family worship experience on November the 1st. It will be in Celebration Hall. It will be a 30-minute experience at 9.45 each Sunday. It is designed to engage parents and children together. We'll invite you to bring your own lawn chairs and or blanket and find your own worship space so you can safely gather there as a pod and continue to keep each other safe. The Vineyard's now launching with 20 branch facilitators, but we need many more because our ultimate goal is to make sure that every person at congregation is connected in some fashion beyond the Sunday morning experience. Um, we believe it's going to be critical during this COVID winter uh, to stay connected with one another. We think it also will have great benefits as we come out of this pandemic in order to be the church that God wants us to be, to uh, shepherd and to disciple one another. On November the 1st, we're holding a holiday parade at 5.30. You're invited to decorate your cars. And we need lots of candy donations, so you can start bringing those in on Sunday or to the church office during the week. As uh, Pastor Matt shared, we'll be taking a drive through the apartment complex, which is a great way to reach out and involve them this year. And we're also about ready to send some cards out in honor of Veterans Day for anyone that you know, uh, care about, that you think would like to receive a note from us, uh, please turn those in to Bonnie Zitcraft at bzitcraft at nozofirst.com or call the church office. And if you're new to us, please be sure you see Bonnie Zitcraft after, afterwards. She's got a free gift for you and information that helps you connect with our Nobles of First Ministries and our faith community. Ushers will release people from the back rows first to help us from congregating. Remember to please take your conversations outside, and we encourage you to keep your mask on during those conversations. Let us go forth now as a people of God, 
united by the love of Christ who makes us all one, may we be that light, that hope, that people that pull us together in this time of division. Through Christ we do go forth. Amen.